0: to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. Most of us would love to be great public speakers, right? and most of us have read or heard advice about ways in which we can improve our public speaking skills. So much of it sounds the same, but our guest on this episode, Michael Gelb, has thoughts about public speaking
1: that are very refreshingly different than what you may have heard before. Michael is an executive coach who's worked with companies like Nike, Microsoft, Merck, and DuPont over the past 40 years, giving presentations on creativity, innovation, and leadership. He's written many books, including the International bestseller, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. His latest book is called Mastering the Art of Public Speaking, Eight Secrets to Transform Fear and Supercharge Your Career. Michael, thank you so much for joining us.
2: It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you.
1: You say that most presentations are boring and ineffective. Why is that?
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sorry for laughing but really they are boring and they're ineffective. And the main reason is it's the number one fear of the public. The the classic book of lists ranks public speaking as the number one fear, death is seventh on the list. So in other words, yeah, (laughs) most people would rather be dead and buried than have to give the speech, but If we put it to them that way, they'd probably be willing to get up to the front of the room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. And you say that 74% of Americans suffer from glossophobia, the fear of public speaking, which is just such a huge number. Do most of those people just get the typical butterflies, or do they truly feel just paralyzed by fear, and are they amongst those people that you say would rather be dead than have to speak?
2: That's a great question, because— there's some people who really are paralyzed and would rather die than have to speak. But for, for most people, it's just something, as you say, it's butterflies and we get the butterflies to fly in formation. And the secret is to focus on making your presentation creative, entertaining, enjoyable, fun, Rather than doing what most people do, because because it makes them uncomfortable, their mindset, as soon as they hear you're invited to give a presentation to your sales team, to the marketing group, to the technology center, whoever it happens to be for whatever the occasion, or you have to give a eulogy or a best man or bridesmaid speech or whatever it happens to be, people's first thought, because they do get butterflies is uh-oh <laughs> yeah so, right so they're oriented their mindset is how am i going to get through this without embarrassment and as we know that is not the mindset that leads to excellence or fun so one of the one of the main things i have helped people do now for 40 years and just making this shift starts to change everything is get people to think of themselves as professional presenters. Even if you don't actually get paid for it, like I have done for the last 40 years, I've learned a few things after being in front of audiences all over the world about what makes it easy, fun, and enjoyable to engage an audience, to get your message across, to make it more effective, more energizing, more enlivening so then you start to think i can't wait to give my next presentation and it all begins with this little shift of mindset and by the way it's not about suppressing the fear or trying to change right away no accept it it's common many of the greatest performers actors actresses uh, professional speakers started out as presentation phobics or they just had the typical butterflies, but they learned the art. This is art, it's a skill, it's something you can practice. And sometimes people who seem to have the least talent, who apply themselves to the eight secrets in the book, turn out to be the most amazing speakers because they find their own true natural voice and that that's you that's what i'm real that's where public speaking becomes more than just an important skill to improve your career and your life it becomes a path of self-development and personal growth as you learn to find your true voice and express it in order to communicate a powerful message to a group of people that you care about
1: i'm following you with saying that you need to see yourself as a professional presenter But how do you do that? Because I go along with your saying also that poor speakers tend to think of themselves as poor speakers. So how do you adopt this mindset of I'm a professional presenter?
2: Well, you start to learn the specific thing that professionals do. You learn to coach yourself right from the beginning when you hear that you're invited to speak and you notice that you just automatically thought, "Uh uh-oh, or some more a noteworthy expletive. (laughs) You say, well, isn't that fascinating? That's my habitual reaction. Then you say, what if I reframed this feeling as excitement and possibility instead of anxiety and fear? And that question starts to change your attitude towards the sensations that you're experiencing. Then you have this manual in your hand, the book, Mastering the Art of Public Speaking, and you say, okay, what what does he say? (laughs) (laughs) And he says, (laughs) think about your audience, because part of where people get in trouble is they, they worry about themselves. And it's not about you, it's about the audience. See, professionals think about the audience. What result do we want to achieve with this audience? And then we do three simple things. We write down, what do we want them to know specifically at the end of this presentation? how do we want them to feel and what do we want them to do? So if you take your message and simplify it, it's the classic KISS principle, keep it simple, speaker. (laughs) Simplify the message to the minimalist components. At the end of the half hour, at the end of the 45 minutes, at the end of the hour, what If I ask somebody who is in your talk, what did you learn? What would you like them to say in a sentence? Just make it that simple. So now you know what you want them to know. What people often overlook, especially in business presentations, is the importance of focusing on how you want them to feel. And this is important because people buy on emotion and they justify with fact and because emotions are contagious for better or for worse. So what do you wanna catch and spread? So let's say what I want them to know are the five secrets for making a presentation memorable, which is of course one of the chapters of the book. Obviously, I will communicate those five principles specifically. But what I want them to feel is more excited and confident than ever before about presenting. I want them to feel that they just can't wait to go out and try what I just taught them. And obviously what I want them to do is go and apply it, give a great presentation, find out what what it's like to feel that, and then come back and, and tell me how great it was and put me on retainer to their company for the next 20 years, which is, Fortunately, what a lot of them have done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go, so it must work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that simple formula, what do you want them to know? How do you want them to feel? What do you want them to do? It, it shifts your mindset to the audience instead of worrying about your butterflies. And when we get other-centered, when we focus on meeting other people's needs, we, the butterflies start to fly in formation.
0: Now, I feel like that is so good in planning, and I'm speaking from personal experience here. I, I took a college class in public speaking, and I really tried to think about engaging my audience. I have two parents who are longtime talk show hosts, and so I feel like I grew up with that. But for whatever the reason, maybe two minutes before I would be set to speak, I would start to feel really nervous and then everything that I wanted to say and feel and convey went away. So what tips would you have for people like me? Ah, Perfect,
2: well, two things. First is make a mind map of your presentation because the mind map format, that's chapter three of the book. Make a mind map of your presentation so mind map is a way of representing your ideas using images and keywords. It is much more memorable than the old fashioned thing that people used to do with the file cards. A lot of people still do that. Or trying to follow your own PowerPoint, which can make people even more nervous. But once you make a mind map, which accesses the imaginative playful creative part of your mind as well as the logical analytical part of the mind the mind map makes it much easier to remember your message because you want them to remember your message but yeah if you don't remember what you're going to say of course you'll be nervous Mm -hmm. so the mind map makes it so much easier for you to remember what you wanted to say and the order in which you wanted to say it and even Even if you have made your mind map and rehearsed the presentation, focusing especially on the first couple of minutes, because that's when the butterflies seem to be kind of out of control and you carefully rehearsed and you said what you wanted to know, feel, and do. And even if you made a good uh, mind map, what can happen is the, the stress response can start to kick in and all of a sudden, you have trouble remembering your most memorable map, and it's hard to focus on the audience, even though you sort of vaguely remember you're supposed to. So what do you do then? Well, one of the things that's different about this book is, is I've, been, I've been studying how to deal with stress, how to transform that anxiety reaction under all sorts of circumstances. I started out as a professional juggler. So I was on stage juggling with Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones at the Networth Rock Festival, for example, in front of an audience of over 100,000 people.
1: That's tough. It doesn't get more (laughs) nerve-wracking than that. You can give any presentation. uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and... I, I can't even tell you what happened when I drop, dropped the ball. <laughs> you ever have a hundred thousand people laughing at you? It was, it, was, it was a great thing that happened early in my career because I just I laughed with them. They threw the balls back. I continued juggling, and then it was a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. But I'm, I'm familiar from a practical, personal level for myself and with clients I've helped over the decades with the fact that with the best preparation, the the stress hormones kick in. So what do you do then? What do you do then? Well, there's a few simple warm-ups that many, they're drawn from the martial arts and they're drawn from the theater. And so I've been a martial artist. I I teach Aikido and I also teach uh, Tai Chi and Qigong for many, many years. And there's something about, it's a similar thing. It's it's a little scary to get in front of a group. It's also scary to face somebody who wants to punch you in the face or hit you with a stick.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And, and so you really have to learn to get focused and you can't think, oh, gee, what am I going to do? Because you just got hit on the head with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from juggling to martial arts, to years of performing, I, I focused on, okay, what happens when it's just before the bell rings and you're about to, spar with a a scary opponent or you're just about to go on stage and there's thousands of people out there, what can you do in those moments? I call it in the book, I I call it get out of the can and give yourself a dose. So can is an acronym for the stress hormones, cortisol, uh, adrenaline and norepinephrine. And that's what's causing you to feel cotton-mouthed and your breathing is disturbed and you wanna run away or hide and all of a sudden you can't remember what you're gonna say. So there's lots of guidance in the book for getting out of the can. I call it give yourself a dose. And dose uh, stands for uh, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin and endorphins. And these are the hormones associated with high performance, with joyful self-expression, with connecting with other people. And in the book, I actually take everybody through practical step-by-step exercises drawn from real martial arts training, but applied to something that you can actually do when you're backstage getting ready to go to the front of the room or just heading over to a meeting room, or even if you're nervous on Zoom, which some people are, or whatever it happens to be, because there's people all over the world listening to you and you can't see them all. Uh, either way, you can spend just a few minutes doing these practices and get out of the can and give yourself a dose.
1: Now give us give us a, an example of what you might do if it's in the minute before you're supposed to go on the Zoom call or a minute before you're supposed
2: to speak to a
1: large audience. What should you do?
2: Okay, well I'll give I'll give you one that's just it's so simple. And I can just I, I can explain it easily and you won't have to be able to see me to watch me do it. Perfect. Uh, I have I have very careful instructions taking people through this uh, in the book, and we're also uh, giving everybody links to videos where I'm teaching all this stuff. But here's, here's the absolute simplest thing that you can do, is start to give your speech. I'll say it first properly, and then I'll imitate what I'm talking about. Start to give your speech, but be slack-jawed and talk like an idiot. <laughs> so I'm not kidding. just say, and now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so happy to be here today. To talk to you about blah, 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 <laughs> so, so what I always tell my, my clients is, if you talk like an idiot before you're on stage, you're much less likely to talk like one when you are on stage.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
2: Right? Because what happens when you go like that, blah, blah, blah. you can't help but laugh at yourself. When you start mm-hmm. laughing at yourself, the, the balance, of, you get out of the can, you get into the dose. Uh, you change your whole attitude. You change your whole energy. And th- there's, there, there's so many other things like that you can do, but that, that's one I do myself uh, uh, from time to time because it's just, it's so simple. It takes 30 seconds. You go, blah, 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 start talking, blah, blah, blah. let your tongue hang out. It also relaxes your face. It relaxes your eyes. You come on stage and all of a sudden you're smiling. Another really simple thing, really simple, is the morning you're going to present or any time before you present, just arrange to do, even before we get into the qigong and the tai chi and the other stuff I'll teach you in the book, just go, to, go work out. Get your heart rate going. Uh, do jumping jacks. Do shadow boxing. Do something that shifts your physiology so that you're not just sitting there stewing in those stress juices. But the energy starts to flow. And then you walk out, you're warmed up, you're you're relaxed, you're more natural, you're just better able to be yourself. So these are just some of the absolute simplest things that anybody can do. But if you do them right if you make a point of doing them, I mean do them regularly anyway, but do it before a presentation, it'll transform your experience.
0: Ever since we all started quarantining and regular workplaces closed and we all started doing work from home, I have been so curious to find out whether or not the people who are known as the really outgoing and good speakers, if they have stayed good speakers during Zoom meetings, because (laughs) you think that they're the ones who would be thriving off the crowd and the reaction. What's your experience been?
2: yeah thank you I love that you asked that because i I made the i, I got to tell you this is some sort of guardian angel or super intuition, but I shifted last year around this time I started shifting more to doing things online uh, more to doing a small group and individual coaching and aiming to just gear up presentations in this modality. So then the convenient uh, convenient pandemic accelerated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Always look on the bright side. You were already. <laughs> so
2: so you know, I teach for the Gabelli Business School at Fordham University uh, on their one of their, this was the Masters in Science and Management program. And right at the beginning of the pandemic they canceled all live programs. So I was scheduled to do two full days with 39 master's students on Zoom. Uh, I mean, we shifted it to Zoom. So I I went right in the deep end. I, I, I had this group of 39 people. I couldn't see them all the whole time, but I learned something very, very, it's actually something I do if I'm speaking to a group of 5,000 or 10,000 people or a group of 50 people, I walk into the room and I just tune in to all of the individual human beings who will be part of this session. And I focus on what I want them to know, what I, how I want them to feel, and what I want them to do. And I, and I tune in to genuinely dedicating myself to helping them as much as I can. And then it's great, it's true. I love seeing their facial expressions. I play off the crowd's energy. I read people's body language. I'm always focused on making them laugh. And if I get somebody to laugh a little, I can see that. I try to get them laugh more. And it's very hard on Zoom, or I've done a lot on Webinar Jam, where you don't see anybody at all. Uh, But it's actually really helped me to tune into the people even more because I'm not getting the cues, so I just have, to. and now, like with Webinar Jam, I'm doing these live programs, and I have people who are taking the program, they're in Australia, they're in Europe, they're on both coasts of the US, they're in Latin America. So I'm tuning into these people all over the world, and okay, I am monitoring the chat, (laughs) so I can get some feedback, but it just, in my intention, I've become even more focused on who's listening, why they're coming, and how I might be able to help them.
1: It's fascinating that you say it's the job of the speaker to be in control and to take care of your audience, to help them relax and and enjoy the message that's being presented. And you also say that... The audience is often nervous. And for example, that's why people will sometimes sit in the back row at a presentation. And I presume it's kind of the same if you're doing Zoom meetings that people are a little bit afraid that turning off their gonna, mic. Right. Or they're gonna be called on and, and uh, maybe they're you know, petting their dog or something <laughs> you know, and, and caught caught unawares.
2: Yeah, well we have we have to hope they have pants on when they stand up too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> These days that's a real concern.
2: Yes, it is. That's a really important point that I just I learned by watching people in groups. I've been leading all kinds of groups for many, many years all over the world, too. So I've seen this in different cultures. And I realized close to the beginning of my career that, well, you know, the audience is nervous. So once again, that really helps you. This is what professional speakers know is part of what gets your butterflies aligned and in formation is... Oh, the people, they don't want to sit in the front row because they're afraid you're going to call on them because they remember what it was like when they were in third grade and that's what happened and they got embarrassed. And adults really don't like to be embarrassed. So it's important to let people know that they're in a welcoming, enjoyable, supportive, fun space that's about learning and evolving and improving. And when people get that sense, when they ease into that, they bond with you, the speaker, because they say, oh, this person's not here to call on me and embarrass me. They're creating a community, effectively. That's what we're creating with people on on Zoom these days, a community where we can't always necessarily even see each other, but we're all in this together And people, you know, people do sense your intention. This is a great thing. You don't have to be, look, there's a lot of stuff in the book about how to make it memorable, how to make it unforgettable, how to use theatrical techniques, how to get the audience engaged, how to ask them real and rhetorical questions, how to give them uh, practical exercises to do and go into breakout rooms and then come back out and report out. And you write down what they say and you don't you don't criticize it. You use the word that they put that so that everybody feels safe and connected and so on and so forth. But even before you get to all the techniques, if you, if you prepare by really thinking about what is it, what do you want them to know? What do you want them to feel? What do you want them to do? How, how, how can I benefit this audience? How can I help them get into a learning modality that will give them some kind of positive uplifting experience then people ultimately sense that and they like it and then you don't even you don't have to worry so much if you Let's say you forget, what's the worst thing can happen? You forget in the middle, oh, what was I talking about? Just ask the audience, they'll tell you. It's no (laughs) big deal, seriously, it's no big deal. Just like, oh, I I lost my place, what was I talking about? Oh, you were giving us the data about blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, thanks. So if, however, you're not prepared and you don't care about your audience and you're not there to help them, then you should be nervous so go back and, and, and work on having something useful to say. I mean, people say to me, I want to be a professional speaker. I say, well, what's your message? What, what, what have you lived through? What have you done? What, what have you studied? Uh, what is it you want to share with people? What's your purpose? You say, oh, I don't know. I just want to be a professional speaker. They, also, they say, I want to be an author. Well, go get something to write about. Go get something <laughs> to speak about and then come see me.
1: You know, I... I love the fact that you point out that even if we feel nervous when speaking in public, the audience probably doesn't notice it. And yet we feel if we're up there and and feeling nervous that, oh, they, they all must be able to tell that I'm really nervous. Why do you say the audience probably doesn't detect that?
2: Well, see, so you're, when, when you're feeling that, you're in the can. That's the cortisol. That's the adrenaline. That's the norepinephrine. And the effect that it has is it, shifts us into this mode where mentally we're we're anxious and all of our flaws and foibles and difficulties and problems seem exaggerated. But one of the great truths of life is most people are just focusing on what's going on with them. And yes, they are, you're in front of the room, so they are sort of paying attention to you. But first of all, they're used to people who are kind of nervous and not really comfortable. And the average standard of public speaking is so mediocre that really if you you know just, <laughs> just i mean they don't even have to read the book just from our talk today i mean i obviously i'd like you to read the book but if you just write down what you want them to know feel and do you're going to be so far ahead of what most people do because most people are just thinking i got to get out of here alive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so, so so the audience you know the audience is thinking why am i here uh, am i interested in this topic uh, did my boss make me come? Uh, uh, do I need to get through this in order to get something else? Uh, who else is here uh, what is this you know going to be interesting? Might this be relevant i don 't know so there they 're not here thinking i 'm here as part of the inspection unit for inappropriate body language used by nervous speakers, and I will be taking specific notes on everything they do wrong and then putting it on all my social media. (laughs) It's not that significant. Nobody really cares that much except me, if I have you on video in a in a coaching session, then I'll help you make sure you don't do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, Michael, at the end of each program, we ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So you obviously have all this information and you're just a wealth of, wealth of information. But what is the one thing that you would say nobody told you about public speaking that you wish that they had before you became a professional yourself?
2: Well, I'd say the simplest thing is, Nobody told me anything because I just I just did it the first time. I I, I was very keen on a particular subject, uh, the subject of how we can improve the mind, and I was working with a fabulous genius who wrote lots of books, and and he thought I had a talent, so he just got me this engagement to speak in front of a bank, and nobody really told me you had to actually prepare your presentation. <laughs> I just thought, you know, I was smart. I knew this stuff and I'd show up and it would be great, but I had never done a business presentation before. And it was, it was, it did not go really well. And I, I, mean, I went back to my presentation nobody told me, you've got to actually really prepare. <laughs> and, <laughs> but that's the only time I ever made that mistake. Just that first presentation was a great learning experience because I said, OK, you, you really, preparation is really most of the game. And now, nobody who listens to this will ever be able to say that nobody told me focus on preparation, on what you want them to know, feel, and do specifically. Because once you know that, you're going to be set up for success.
1: And I know you also say you'll never compromise your effectiveness by simplifying your material.
2: Hallelujah. That's the KISS principle as we have revised it. Keep it simple, speaker. (laughs) Einstein said, Einstein said, things should be made as simple as possible not simpler. So that Mm -hmm. is the challenge is to, I call it optimal simplicity. And it's trying to find that, that sweet spot where you can take when things are complex, you make them as accessible as possible to the audience. And it's very important to know who that audience is. Do they understand the jargon that you're using? We hear this all the time. People use jargon, the audience doesn't understand. People use acronyms. That the audience doesn't understand. They call I call it in the book I call it molecule fondling, because I had this group of engineers at DuPont, and I was training them in how to speak to the marketing people. And the the engineers would get up and say, "Well, the molecule did this, and then the molecule did that, and we tried this with the molecule, blah blah blah." And the marketers would be sitting there saying, "What are they talking about? They just want to know." What does this do? When will it be ready? And what cool name will we give it? So I showed the scientists this, the video of themselves giving this presentation and the chief scientist stood up and he said, oh my God, we are guilty of molecule fondling. And what I find is most people who have a lot of technical expertise get so involved in what they know that they forget about the audience. But what presenting is about and public speaking is about is finding the the link between what you know and your empathy for the audience and what you want them to receive.
0: And Michael, how can people connect with you on social media and learn more about the book?
2: Thank you. Well, the best way is just go to my website, michaelgelb.com. That's G-E-L-B, MichaelGelb.com. And if they go to the resources page, they can learn more about uh, Mastering the Art of Public Speaking and my other 16 books. And they'll also find lots lots of free video and articles and blog posts and all that fun, fun stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a fun website. Highly recommended. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Our thanks to Michael Gelb. Again, his latest book is called Mastering the Art of Public Speaking, Eight Secrets to Transform Fear and Supercharge Your Career. And again, his website is michaelgelb.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.